the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Friday, October 20th, 2023. Dispensing with my typical opening monologue, uh, although referring back to my monologue from yesterday, it is a delight to welcome back to the show and open the show with uh, candidate for Congress, Congressional District 4, and here in Arizona, Dr. Zudi Jasser. Once we get through the contemporary, the current crisis we're going through in the Middle East and people start focusing more on uh, the elections, the midterm election, well, the midterm and presidential elections of 2024, I have a feeling his race and his candidacy is going to be getting an awful lot of national attention because he's just that good, that distinct, and that distinctive. Distinctive. Z for AZ.com is his website. Dr. Jasser, welcome back to the show, sir. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Uh, Because uh, my dog Dagny has been habituated to wake up and wake me up before God, I saw on Fox News Channel this morning (laughs) that you were on it, looking dapper and fresh, and talking about something very serious and something I was talking about on my show yesterday, in my monologue yesterday, something you've been talking about for going on probably 25 or 30 years now. And the touch point was this employee at the Department of Homeland Security who has been put on leave uh, after uh, it was found on her social media that she was not only siding with Hamas but making veiled threats of violence in her <clears throat> in her support of Hamas. Dr. Jasser, I was looking up her biography before she went to DHS. She was a, her, her job was as a spokesman for the PLO, of course – Whose umbrella under whose umbrella sit several State Department DT, uh, designate, designated terrorist organizations? What the hell's going on here, Doc? Uh, it's it's the uh, uh, bizarre upside down world where the most radical folks make their way into uh, every aspect of our government. It's the bizarre world where uh, we have a a number of ideologies that are not only antithetical to Americanism but are trying to kill us that are trying to destroy our societies and uh, it's not hard at all for whether it's the Chinese Communist Party with their Marxism and neo-Marxism across the world or the Islamists of Iran you know we saw just recently a a spy Robert Malley that uh, um, had some spies working next to him and with him that we thought appears now from the New York Post and other publications appears that um, investigative journalism showing that uh, um, they were pretty high up and a lot of that happens because there's no vetting. There is no ideological filter when these folks get security clearances. And as you know, I've been testifying for years to Congress telling them, why can't we vet for Islamist ideas where if they want, if they believe in jihad, if they believe in a state where Muslims are a majority that should have a Quran as the Constitution and should have a Sharia state, then that's antithetical. That's theocratic. That's what America was formed to stop, which was theocracy. And yet somehow, remember you and I wrote a piece uh, over a decade ago about the blindness 
of the See Something, Say Something yep. that happened with Nidal Hassan, right. also of Palestinian origin, yep. also who grew up in a family likely that uh, um, hated America and radicalized him. And he joined the army not to become a patriotic psychiatrist uh, uh, in uniform, but actually to ultimately undermine us and join al-Qaeda while doing so. So, you know, it's not a surprise. This, this social media of this uh, lady is basically a... She, it's an example of probably hundreds, if not thousands more, who join the military for various reasons and end up becoming enemies of the state. So she should not only be fired, there should be an investigation. There should be a, you know, full extent of the law to see if there's any sedition issues re- regarding it um, and, and how vulnerable you know, what she exposed while she worked with us. That really was uh, the tragedy and the uh, lesson from Fort Hood, wasn't it, with Nadal Hassan after the fact, after the 14 were killed, and I think over 30 wounded at an, let's not forget, a military fort in the state of Texas of all places. God knows, right, Doc? Um, from yeah. a medical doctor, my gosh. And, um, and, 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 and the point I want to raise about that is afterwards, there were all these stories. You put your finger on it a few moments ago. There were all these stories of his former colleagues, I think at Bethesda or one of the other hospitals he had worked in in Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been Walter Reed. I just don't remember. But a lot of his, a lot of his um, colleagues said, no, no. I mean, we, we, we knew he was saying this kind of stuff. He had soldier of all the cards and he gave presentations on understanding uh, understanding jihad from the perspective of the jihadis, but we didn't want to say anything because we didn't want to be accused of bigotry or insensitivity. This has been going on for far too long, Doctor. Yeah, and this is not about... This is far beyond the conversation of activists at a university that might yeah. be, you know, teenagers uh, uh, that uh, just uh, have wild ideas. This is somebody working for crying out loud at Homeland Security, right. who, by the way, was recruiting, as you said, it w- for people who on their last their last job was with the PLO, right. which is a a terrorist organization. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 beyond. It's the same rationale of the party that uh, has our borders open, allowing terrorists to come into our state uh, without uh, any type of uh, filtering mechanism. It's it's surrender, and and it's an attempt to destroy our national sovereignty. And in the Cold War, we used to vet for these things, and it, it wasn't an embarrassment. It was part of our security apparatus, and now there is no way to vet for it. And it's crazy that, you know, our military servicemen and women aren't confident that the people serving with them in their foxholes and, you know, all across the world may not share with them the same ideas. And we had, by the way, during the Iraq war, there were, uh, you know, Muslim members that committed acts of treason. That yep. You remember the act in, uh, in Kuwait yep. in which uh, he blew yep. up uh, his, yep. uh, served with the other yep. side. You had yep. Bo Bergdahl. Yep. Yep. You had so many examples. Yep, I do. I do. We're talking to Dr. Zudi Jasser. Z for AZ.com is his website. Can, candidate for uh, Congress here in, in CD4, uh, Congressional District 4. I do remember that. Zudi, I also remember after shortly after 9-11 in Washington, D.C., uh, a Washington Post reporter whose name people would know if I said it if they read the Washington Post regularly, reported on a, on a school 
in uh, in the uh, suburbs of Washington, if memory serves, Potomac, uh, Potomac, Maryland. And the uh, school held a rally on behalf of um, on behalf of the terrorist activity. It was one of these uh, America had it coming type rallies. And I remember we called that reporter to say, what the H, what the heck, what the hell? And he said, well, since I wrote that story, I've been informed that the FBI is investigating whether there is a terrorist cell here. Uh, We never got the full report on that and the after-action report or what they did discover. But why should our sentiment be any different after discovering this person at DHS? Why, why, should we, why should we feel any more confident that there isn't? She isn't representative of something in our nation's capital that might be far more insidious than her social media. Yeah, because, you know, the rot is much deeper. You don't – it's not just about the one Faisal Shahzad that becomes the Times Square bomber and has a whole diatribe. It's not just about – you know, the the ones that end up becoming the terrorists, underneath them, is, a, is it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Underneath them is a huge movement. The Rashida Tlaibs of the world that stood up 24 hours or 48 hours ago and, and recited uh, the fact that there was a hospital that was bombed by Israeli forces and killed 500 people. That turned out to be complete fabrication and nonsense, and she used it to radicalize her community to say that this is a war against Muslims. So they're basically members of Congress Mm -hmm. that are Islamists that came from that farm team and uh, um, are radicalizing our community. And yet, if you really want to fight it, that's what wokeism has, I think, been teaching the rest of America is that we in the Muslim world here in America, that our Muslims have been fighting this radicalization process for years. And now wokeism is basically the same thing in the far left, which is... They're, through BLM and other types of movements, they radicalize our kids with ideas about how America's evil, everybody's a victim of American aggression, microaggressions, and all this other nonsense. So it's all synergistic identity politics that radicalizes people to justify violence for one side, and the other side can't even defend itself in a moral war. It's a great point. Can you stay another segment? I have to take a commercial break. Do you have to sure. go for one more segment with us? Great. We're talking. I appreciate it. We're talking. There's so much here. Talking to Dr. Zudi Jasser, J-A-S-S-E-R, J-A-S-S-E-R. Easy website, Z4AZ.com. If you don't know about him, learn more about him. Uh, and if you can support him even so much better. Can you imagine having this man in Congress standing up against Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar? and the rest of the Progressive Caucus, I can't wait. We'll be right back. Eastbound and down, that's where Congressional District 4 is from this office. Uh, candidate for Congress, Dr. Zudi Jasser, running for CD4, Congressional District 4, is our guest. z for azcom tacking on to his appearance this morning on a fly-by-night show called Fox and Friends, doing a real show. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Zudi. <laughs> fly-by morning show. Thank you for being with us. Um, talking about this amazing story of uh, Islamist radical at the Department of Homeland Security, and it took this October 7th attack, I guess, uh, in against Israelis to, um, to, uh, to expose her, for her to expose herself, and then and then be um, and then be put on leave from the DHS. Not not strong enough, in my view. And you know, Zudi, I I think about people like this, these kinds of radical um, radicalized Islamists serving in our government, serving in the Congress of the United States House of Representatives, serving all over. 
it begs a question. I hope, I hope it's not a uh, an offensive question, but when they're siding against America as they do so often, and against America's allies like Israel as they do so often, does it ever strike them what I'm guessing is true? that there are probably no two countries in the world outside of America and Israel that give Muslims more rights than America and Israel? It's possibly true, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, bottom line is, as you look across the world, the 56 countries that are Muslim majority, you know, my parents, uh, as they raised me in a small town in Wisconsin, told me, you know what, the, the version of Islam that you're learning uh, the personal faith, uh, the relationship you have with God, and the little mosque we had uh, was was more personal and more open than any Muslim-majority country they could have done. Now, certainly the culture is different and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, the religious freedom aspect of it uh, was more free than anywhere in the Muslim world, where in Iran or Saudi Arabia or even in Syria, which was a secular military dictatorship, still there were Sharia laws that uh, were implemented in the, by the government that prevented any type of uh, a sense of freedom in which you could interpret your faith on your own. So that that is so important. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me. I'm thinking back as we were talking about that Palestinian radical in DHS. In Phoenix alone, back in 2004, I, I exposed the head of CARE Arizona, who was right. on the Phoenix Human Relations Commission, right. and Phil Gordon at the time, mayor, uh, ended up uh, giving Marwan Ahmed the, desi- the the specific honor of being the first volunteer on that commission to be removed. Uh-huh. And again, this is a, a Democrat removing a, a, another supposed Democrat that we exposed because I started translating his newspaper, and he was saying at the time of the Iraq war that Americans were going in and pillaging like uh, uh, barbarians and raping uh, Iraqi citizens and all this kind of stuff. And you know, they didn't realize that that's what he was doing in the Arabic version of his paper in this area of what is BD4 and and, and our local community at yeah. the time. Yeah. And it's just amazing to me that we have a lot of work to do for folks that are here enjoying the freedoms of America that they could never, newspapers they could never publish in the Middle East or any Muslim-majority country. And they are, are reaping the freedoms here and they want to basically destroy this country and, and talk about how much they hate it and spout anti-Semitism of uh, the only country where, uh, you know, is, is a democracy in the Middle East. By the way, outside of the anti-Semitism spouting that you get from your Rashida Tlaibs and your Ilan Omars and people from the squad, holding all the other views that they hold when they're not kicking Jews around, holding all the other views that they do and that you know they do, how long would they last in Gaza? Months, yeah. not even. Yeah. I mean, this is, they, they, you know, the Hamas militants, as much as these guys defend them here, um, we've always talked in our Muslim reform movement about how the closer you get to the Palestinian areas, the more unradical you get, and many of the Palestinians actually start to realize what happens when they run the show, yeah. when the Islamist militants run it, versus living in areas where they're free to to believe what they want and, and uh, uh, create fiction about who the enemy is and never blame themselves, never look internally about the issues that need true reform. Um, it's inter- Even in the Wall Street Journal last week, there was a piece about how uh, you know, it was called Muslims for Israel, yeah. uh, Muslims against Hamas. Mm-hmm. And I read the whole thing, 
And okay, great. It took some courage, but they never made the diagnosis, which is we have an internal problem of theology that needs strike significant reform. And, and it was never acknowledged that Hamas didn't come out of thin air. It, it's, its charter says kill a Jew behind every stone, and that's because there's scripture supposedly that says that, and either we have to root that out and say it's fabricated or deal with it, and nobody's dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and that's what's been the cause of your uh, professional or you know semi-professional life outside of, of your physician's practice for the past several decades. Now more than ever is it needed um, with, with what's probably about to take place over the next, uh, hopefully not too long, but what could last weeks, months, or maybe even years in the Middle East with this renewed fighting. No one's speaking the way you are except the movement you've put together. And, you know, Zudi, it just seems to me it's it seems to me it's a tragedy of toxic confluences where it's not only political Islam or radical or fundamentalist Islam, whatever the terminology uh, you prefer to use. But it's also Marxism. I mean, there is this weird thing from a movement that says all religion is to be um, seen as an opiate <laughs> of the masses, they have no problem wedding themselves to Marxist ideology and Marxist movements to achieve their goals. It's an odd thing. Yeah, and, and you know, there's the, the ethics of the lack of ethics of it is such that the they believe the end justify the means. So by whatever means necessary, you know, as the BLM folks hold their fist up in the air, any means necessary. So whether it's Farrakhan leading them or whoever, you know, they will uh, basically in a collectivist mindset uh, believe that they are so wronged and they know that the their enemies who are those of us that are individualistic and free-minded and postmodern, if you will, uh, believe that we're constantly afraid of being guilty. So they tap into that. So their collective mindset says, you're all guilty of hating us. And that guilt then predominates our response. Instead of us having an offense, we then become on the defense, yeah. that somehow Amer we, we're, we're on the defensive, that somehow we we are bigoted or we are whatever it might be. And that then changes the conversation to ignore how much they're destroying our shopping malls and our businesses. And and uh, ultimately, then they're asking for reparations, as uh, the governor of California almost tried to do recently. It's just it's just absurd. Forty seconds. I have to go. But Zudi, tie two things together with what happened in Israel, with what's happening with our southern border. Six thousand plus nationals from Afghanistan poured into our border, over 3,000 from Egypt, over 650 from Iran over the last two years. How concerned should we be about this in our own country? Very. It's not just one DHS member. It is thousands coming across. Tens, the, the, the congressional reports have said, are already from terror watch lists. They're on the list already, let alone those we don't know. Nobody's vetting the humans at all let alone what their ideologies are through interviews. And we need to reset that. And, and uh, you know, I'd like to do that uh, from a position in Congress for our citizens rather than uh, from, uh, uh, you know, kibitzing from far away. Yeah, although it's good kibitzing we do. Yes, sir. Okay, <laughs> Dr. Zudi Jasser, bless you, sir. And Godspeed, Z for AZ.com. Put this man in Congress. Thanks, Zudi. Go get him. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. I was just thinking of uh, of that song and our dear friend Steve, 
who sent me something really interesting earlier today. This is a um, it's a quote from an old piece Matt Scully wrote, conservative writer, um, wrote uh, back in um, 2005, I believe it was, in the National Post, Canadian Journal. The great virtue of conservatism is that it begins with a realistic assessment of human motivations. We know man as he is, not only the rational creature, but also, as Socrates told us, the rationalizing creature, with a knack for finding an angle, an excuse, a euphemism. Whether it's the pornographer who thinks himself a free speech champion or the abortionist who looks in the mirror and sees a reproductive health care services provider, conservatives are familiar with this type. Our friend Steve says, my addition to this was one might add the butcher of women and children who thinks himself a freedom fighter or the campus Jew hater who thinks himself an enlightened progressive. There's something deeply important here. The weaponization of words, of course, that Orwell was onto back in the 1940s, that Emerson was onto about a century before that, and Confucius was onto even earlier. When words lose their meaning, people lose their liberty. Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. Hi, Seth. Can you hear me? Very well, yes. Oh, okay, good. Well, listen. I hope you're having a phantasmagorical Friday. Thank you. You know, I'm using that in the sense of uh, whimsical, uh, fantastic, uh, surreal, as in the uh, Beatles' uh, Yellow Submarine. A hard song to understand. (laughs) So, hey, thank you for having Dr. Jasser on. Uh, Listening to your conversations with him gives me hope yeah and uh wow he he is he's special he really is special very very wise very impressive and boy i'm really pulling for him and supporting him and rooting for him good good uh i think it was yesterday i think i heard you telling sam stone that you were having kind of a tough day and that inspired me to suggest that you might want to add to your bumper rotation the song I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty with Ringo on the drums. I didn't realize Ringo was on the drums in that one. I had no uh, idea. Yeah. I had no idea. At at some point he was. I, I've seen a video version okay. of that song, okay. and it shows uh, Ringo on the drums. No kidding. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good Pretty one. amazing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure he was on the drums in the original or you yeah, know, when they may it first have just crafted it on like in the video of "You Can Call Me Out." Chevy Chase isn't really playing the trumpet for Paul Simon. <laughs> possibly, possibly. No, 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 no. Trust me, he's not. Randy Brecker is. Randy Brecker's. A oh one. yes, right. right. <laughs> Trust yeah, me. No, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I know what oh, you okay. mean. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is, uh, hey, thanks for letting me know, too, about uh, Street Player by yeah. Chicago. That yeah, that's great. a piece. Yeah, that's a piece. Great. In fact, I, I've been listening to some more of Chicago's stuff, like Beginnings yeah. and uh, some others. And, and I, I had forgotten what, what fantastic uh, uh, music 
with the horns they have. Oh, yeah. You know, so no, they're really great. That, they and Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I think, are the two best rock horn sections, yeah. W- yeah. Which ones? Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I would say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later, uh, in the 80s and 90s, uh, I don't like Genesis and Phil, what's his name, but they had... Phil a, Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins, but they had, yeah. great, they had a great trumpet section behind them, too. Yeah, I was never a big Genesis no. fan, yeah, or, or no. even Phil Collins, right. but, you know, right. they were okay, I yep. guess. But. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, yes, the other thing I was thinking about, and you kind of touched on this with uh, Dr. Jasser, uh, you know, 40 years ago... Uh, President Reagan talked about the access of evil, and it occurs to me that 40 years later, that access of evil not only still exists, but it's even bigger and stronger. Yeah, well, he was certainly talking about the evil empire. I think George Bush gave us access of evil. But when he said that, when he said that, access of evil speech, National Association of Evangelicals, the papers, the editorialists went crazy. They went crazy. Totally right. Totally vivid. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I was curious about that. So I don't know if uh, – I, I guess I've never seen the video. But uh, Ringo wasn't the actual drummer on uh, Won't Back Down. But guess who was on acoustics and vocals? George Harrison on the real recording. Interesting, huh? I'm a fan of George. Tom, 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 must have, no, Tom Petty must have been uh, – Post- I have a controversial opinion about the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to like me better or hate me more because of it. Go ahead. I think that the it's hard to Beatles... it's actually hard to expand in either direction. Oh no, okay. no, it really. I, there's no one I like more, and there's no one who. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, your 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 best friend. And you, the worst yeah, of you friends. stretch the yeah, Aristotelian yes. principles best here. Of times yeah, and the worst of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've, I have the controversial opinion that I believe that the Beatles did better solo work on their own than they did together. Some of them did. Yeah, I guess that's Two true. of them did. Two of them. Yeah. Are we on the same page? George and Paul? Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. Look we at agree. this. Look, Look at, at this. that. Yeah. Wow. Right. Nice. Is that the first time we've ever agreed? On music. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. On music. Okay. What were you saying on the break? You're you're tired of politics or something? I said I'm tired of politics. Why? <laughs> Why? It's what we do. Why are you tired? It's, we're, it's too much infighting. There's way too much infighting. It's yeah. yes, I the the world is a very scary place yeah. and I'm tired of That's all actually of this, the point. You can't uh, take politics Yeah, you can't take politics out of politics. So there's always going to be the infighting, but you would expect adulthood to uh, be thrust upon our politics in crisis. You would expect that. Certainly so. Yeah. Certainly so. Put away the childish things time, right? I just don't even know if people even know what it means to be conservative anymore. Or perhaps uh, perhaps our movement is not as large as I thought it was. Well. I just keep seeing everything moving in a certain direction. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the New York Times and everything that represents. Don't let the elite culture lead you to think that it's anything beyond elite culture. Um, Still, Bill Buckley was right. In the fundamental common sense of the average American who's a little bit above average, as someone once put it, that he liked to quote often. Who did he say said that, that he liked to quote? 
Alistair Cook, maybe? Um, this was part and parcel of rather being governed by the first um, 2,000 names in the Boston phone directory rather than— I love that quote. Yeah, rather than the first 2,000 names in the Harvard faculty directory. I don't know if we're a fundamentally conservative country. I've often raised this question with the audience because I don't think we're a fundamentally conservative country. I don't think we're a fundamentally conservative country when you see how quickly so many people would rush to join Marxist movements like BLM and um, bow before it and brew it about their empty slogans of essential meaninglessness with the most exquisiteness they could muster. I don't know if we're a conservative country when you can do what you do in election after election. And I don't even know if we're a conservative party when you can nominate the vast majority of nominees we have nominated in the Republican Party. Ronald Reagan was an aberration in the Republican Party. He was not the most common of all the Republicans who ran in 79 or 80. You'll recall he ran an insurgency against a sitting Republican in 1976. I think Calvin Coolidge might have been an aberration. I think Abraham Lincoln, thank God, was an aberration. And if you'll recall Donald Trump, he had kind of, to use the Shakespearean, he had conservatism thrust upon him. When he ran in 2016, yes, he was tough on the border, and yes, he started to take on the advice of the Heritage Foundation when it came to judicial appointments, but there were a lot of questions about his conservatism, and really, of all the candidates, had the most moderate or liberal of records in his past. How much time do I have? Am I okay for another minute? Oh, I have I have a good few minutes? Okay, good. Donald Trump was not elected on the conservative slate necessarily in the primaries. A lot of a lot of the hits against him were that he was moderate. If you look in fact at some of the then so called conservative journals, that was the concern. Or the then so called conservative think tanks and writers, that was the concern. Even if you want to say he had the conservatism or at least at least populist conservatism thrust upon him to the point where he embraced it and achieved it. I think he's aberrational in the sense that he's not the kind of Republican we typically nominate. And certainly didn't earn re-election after such a record of tremendous conservative success. I know. I think that right? President Trump is the greatest president of the 21st century. And he wasn't re-elected. But I'm not much of a populist. And yet and, I still think he's the greatest conservative president of the 21st century, certainly. And he wasn't, and he wasn't re-elected. So I don't know if we're a conservative country, but I think we, we have a common sense about us, which is what is represented by the polling you see regarding Joe Biden and the polling you see about a Biden-Trump rematch. I think we're a country of great amnesia. That's what I think. I think we're a country that likes to mess around a little bit and forgets what the left is. And every time it experiments with it, ends up regretting doing so, but 
doesn't stop the experimentation. I think that's what happens here. I think that's what happens here. Arizona is going to regret in a monumental way putting Katie Hobbs in the governor's seat. And the Republicans who either sat quiet or supported her, I think, are going to regret in a fundamental way that they did so. I think. What I think also is true is that too many Republicans aren't serious enough about why they're Republicans. I don't think they're serious enough about the whole warp and woof of what it means to be a member of the Republican Party or a part of the conservative movement, however one wants to define it. You shouldn't be a Republican or a conservative just because of one thing. It's an entire worldview. It's an entire outlook. Bill Buckley had a distinction on this, too. He would say of certain people claiming to be conservative, he would say of them they are either a conservative or they're conservative. Barry Goldwater was a conservative. Ronald Reagan was a conservative. Of others, you might say like of George W. Bush, he was conservative. That is to say, it wasn't brewed in his bones and in his soul, and it didn't suffuse and infuse his brain like Goldwater or Reagan, but he would tend in that direction. We have too many conservatives and not enough a-conservatives. That's our job. Our job is to make them. You doing that deliberately? or did some George for you. Did that just come up on it its own? It actually just came up on its own. It did? We conjured George Harrison up? I conjured George Harrison. But He's... don't worry. Uh, upcoming, we have all 11 minutes of My Sweet Lord. Oh, do we really? Do you have Maynard Ferguson's version of My Sweet Lord? We added that recently, yes. Do we do? We, we actually have that? We added that. Cool. He did a bunch of Beatles stuff. Jeff is in Sonoida. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Seth. Uh, good talking with you. A couple comments. Um, the one thing about the socialists recently, they've gotten clever in replacing uh, race with the proletariat. You know, it's a lot easier to say, uh, well, you know, I disagree with you, but I'm I'm a worker, too, you know, yes. versus if you're white, you can't, you know, you're like, oh, well, you mean if I'm not a socialist, I'm yeah. a racist, yep. you know, exactly um, that. And uh, Ibram Kennedy said problems, exactly that. You can't be an anti-racist and a capitalist. He said exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's very it's a very clever argument yeah. to try to right. fight against, yeah. you know, yeah. Um and then one of the problems I think that conservatives have is a lot of us are way too purist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, if, we and put each other through exactly, the purity rights. You're absolutely right. Yep. Right. You know, kind of going on with the uh, speakership yep. right now. Yep. And the, the, that brings up a point about um, when it comes to purists, some of the purest purists I've ever met are libertarians, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I don't know why. You know, I don't see the Republicans a lot of times reaching out to the libertarians saying, look, we have a lot more in common than we do um, against each other. 
let's join our forces and I take the Who's the most libertarian? Election. Yeah, well, see, I think libertarianism changed a little bit. I think that I think that might be a problem from their end. Who's the most libertarian member of Congress or senator you can think of? Or national leader you can think of in elected office. Too. Well, probably probably Rand Paul. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and, and yet his father he would, even more so. Yes, his father even more so. But Rand Rand got further, and 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 I think I think Rand Paul would not be in sync with much of what the libertarian movement and the libertarian party says it stands for these days. When Ronald yeah. Reagan said, "I consider myself a libertarian," it doesn't mean I support the libertarian party. The libertarian movement—it's—it's—it's—it's—it's a conjury of vague notions, including no border security, by the way. Well, exactly, you know, or you know, in the in the in the purest sense, you know, oh well, we don't need any traffic laws or well, yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, it's a, it's borderline anarchy. However, if we could, you know, when I look at fifty thousand libertarian votes in Arizona and Trump losing by eleven. I'm going. If we could just convince, well, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a fair uh, point. A, a small portion. Well, they, of those they need to deal with their purity you know. issues as well. Yes, right, Jeff. <laughs> exactly right. You're in Senoida. You yeah. understand? God, I love Senoida. What a fun place! Oh, it's to beautiful be down here. I love it down there. It's heaven on earth. I know. It's heaven on it earth. really is. I love Senoida. Call again. I'm sorry. This was a short segment. I'd love to hear more from yeah, you. Yeah. No. No. I and tell I, a friend I in Senoida. I want more Senoida callers. Okay, evangelize uh, we can't in, get you in Poland, though. Huh? I tried getting you in Poland on uh, yes. the internet, and yes. it wouldn't come through. Okay, all right. Sonoid is <laughs> okay. I'll take Sonoid over Poland. <laughs> Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.